if you've been diagnosed with something and they basically told you, look, there's nothing else we can do for you. I want you to listen to this show. After spending 40 plus days in the hospital and basically being told if I didn't stay there and have an operation and left, I would die. This is what got me through and I believe your answer is here. How to take a person that's dying and no hope for him to live whatsoever. Not even one chance in 10 million for them to live. There is no hope for them to live. He, t he showed me how to do it, how they could live if they would obey what he said. And they could still able enough to talk and would obey it and could obey it with authority. So this morning I'm going to basically teach you on that. The title of my message this morning is Faith with a voice that works. See, some faith don't work. Well, faith in God will work, you know, but you have to qualify that statement when people say, well, I'm, believing, I'm just believing the Lord. I asked a fellow here while I appeal while back, his mother-in-law was in the hospital. I asked him, I said, is your mother-in-law getting along? How's she doing? He said, well, how's she coming along? He said, well, he said, if God don't intervene, she's going to die. Well, I mean, he's a Pentecostal preacher, you know. I thought, well, if God depends on you to pray for her, she's, she'll die for sure. If God don't intervene, she will die. Well, God, always remember this. God does what you do. It's not the idea that God intervenes or don't intervene. God, the Holy Ghost that lives inside of you, the Bible says that he, he, the greater one, is a performer. But the Holy Spirit works on the earth basically two ways. He works with a voice, he works with words, and he works with a voice. First of all, you have to remind God of what he's promised you in the Bible for your case. You have to remind him. Then the Holy Spirit's not going to do anything for you much ever if you don't hear a voice. Because the Bible says that the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you is a performer. But he's been sent, he's been sent to perform the Bible. That's all he performs is the Bible. Now it's true sometimes that if, if you don't have a lot of faith in God, but if you go to church all the time and you help them sing Amazing Grace, because I was raised as Baptist, this happened in Baptist church a lot. We could just be singing. The choir could be singing or they could be leading a hymnal song. And sometimes the Spirit of the Lord would come up on you personally, if you're a good faithful church member, and start blessing you. But see, you have to qualify the blessings of God. You understand that? You understand that? Most people don't understand that, don't know how it works. That's the reason they say, well, I'm going to the First Methodist Church, or I'm going to the First Baptist Church, or I'm going to this church because the Lord is there. Well, naturally he's there. I don't care what any kind of church it is. If you preach Jesus on Sunday morning, the Lord is there, and you might as well know that to a degree. And he, he's, and he wants to, he loves those people, and he wants to help them as much as he much as he possibly can. And he will help him as much as he possibly can. But he's 
but he'll see the Lord. Understand this, folks. Jesus loves you. <laughs> it just don't make a difference to him if you have any money or don't have any money, or if you don't, if you don't, if you, if you, if you, if you never heard of tongues, if you don't believe, if you, you don't even know anything about nothing, hardly. He loves you, and he'll forgive you that quick of all of your sins if you repent. And if you live your life clean, and he forgives you of your sins, comes into your heart. If you'll follow the Lord and live your life clean, you can go to heaven. If you never speak in tongues. Speaking in tongues is not to get you to heaven. The working on the cross and the shedding the blood of Jesus and accepting Jesus as your Savior, that's a ticket to heaven. But you can't accept Jesus as your Savior and then start going back and living in sin. You can't do that. Because the Bible says that sin separates a man from God. I'm going to do that, but you have to watch what you do because you can shorten your life. 10, 20, 30, or 40 years, you can shorten your life. The only way the Holy Spirit will heal you if you're dying with a disease is for him to hear words that you believe that Jesus took the straps on his back for your healing and that you will call Jesus your healer. Most all churches, if they just believe in the ministry of salvation, all churches, they have the Spirit of God with them in the church. But understand this. They have the Spirit of God in the church, there in their ministry, but he'll never do much. See, the Holy Ghost can live in you for 25 years and, uh, or longer and hardly ever do anything for you. He, he, he'll hardly do anything for you. He does what you do. But he will do anything for you, but he won't never do anything until he hears something. The Bible says the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you, he's a performer, but he only performs what he hears. That's all he does. You, if you go to a cold church and you may love the Lord and the Spirit of God may bless you strong, but he'll never heal you there. If the pastor don't stand up and proclaim Jesus as healer, and he is your healer, and by the stripes of Jesus you are healed, and if you're ashamed to proclaim him as healer in public, he will never heal you in that church. I helped build the First Baptist Church. Now listen, folks. I helped build the First Baptist Church, and we have a good ministry in salvation. You understand that? But Jesus has never healed a person in that church, and he never will. You could go in that church for 50 years and want to be healed of cancer or lupus. <clears throat> you will never get it there. There's nothing there to stop that disease, nothing. There is no ministry there to stop that disease. There's no ministry there to claim Jesus as healer. And God don't do things <clears throat> just because there's something wrong with you. Now you can have anything you want from God. You can get the Holy Spirit to do anything for you. But he only works with words. Words. He works with words. 
We have to have a voice. Now faith, Hebrews 11.1 1, says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now faith is the substance. Now faith is the answer of the things that you hope for. Now, let's say that if you're sick or you're dying with cancer, you hope to be healed. Well, your faith is your answer. Your faith is your answer. <clears throat> this morning, I must do my best to get inside of you. Your faith is your answer. Your faith is your answer. Now, the Bible says without faith in Hebrews eleven six, without faith it's impossible to please him. But without faith it's impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is God, that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Now, you should read that, study that verse and study it. In other words, but without faith, it's impossible to please God. Let's say you're dying with cancer. Well, if you don't have faith in God as, as your healer, it's impossible for you to please him. But if you come to God and you believe that he is a rewarder, that he is a healer, he, then he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So you have to diligently seek him. Now, what makes faith work? Well, faith, what makes faith work is a voice. Uh, if there's something wrong with you, I hope to God it's your voice. You understand that? I hope to God it's your voice if there's something wrong with you. Because the Holy Spirit responds to voices, to your voice. And you, have to, you, have, you just have to know that. So turn with me, please, to chapter 10, the book of Romans. Chapter 10, the book of Romans. And I want to show you something. In verse 8, chapter 10, the book of Romans, verse 8. But what saith it? The word, the word, the Bible is nigh thee, even in thy mouth. And in thy heart, that is the word of faith which we preach. The word is nigh thee, notice that, even in thy mouth. If you don't keep it in your mouth, it won't work for you. And in thy heart, you gotta get it in your heart. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. That is the word of faith which we preach. Glory to God forevermore. All right, now I'm going to teach you this morning how it works. Now one more time, verse 8, Romans 10, verse 8. But what saith it, the word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth, in thy heart, the word of faith which we preach. It's in thy mouth. The victory, victory is in thy mouth. That's the best way, to, that's the way you lead people to the Lord. To be born again. Get them to confess the Lord Jesus Christ, and he's been crucified, and he's been raised again from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. Thou shalt be saved. But now notice verse 9, Romans 10, verse 9. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. See, you just get people to say, I'm sorry for my sins, and I believe that Jesus has been raised from the dead, and I believe he lives and ask him to forgive you of your sins and accept him by faith, and he'll forgive you. 
Now I'm going to read one of the greatest verses of Scripture in the Bible, because I know John 3.16 is the greatest verse that I can find in the Bible, and there's a lot of other great verses. But I'm going to read you on down here in a minute, one of the great verses in the Bible, if you study it. Verse 10. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth, with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. And also, folks, you say the Bible, with the mouth, confession is made unto healing. With the mouth, confession is made unto miracles. With the mouth, confession is made unto the salvation of also of your children. If you just keep on praying and keep on praying and keep on calling your child's name before God and keep claiming their salvation, keep claiming their salvation, you'll find out that the Lord will go visit that child or he'll send somebody to visit the child. Now verse 11, For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. Now listen, this is all works for the same, same people for the same way. Verse 12 is one of the greatest verses in the Bible that I can find. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. Now you study that. You'll find your answer to everything right there in that verse. There's no such thing as God might not do it for you. Or do it for somebody else, but not for me. There's no such thing as that. Verse 12 again. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all human beings in the world is rich unto all. Everybody say, all means me. God is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever, anybody in the world, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Blessed be God forever. So just tell people, well, let's, let's just call upon the name of the Lord. Ask him to save you and forgive you. And I said, he will. He'll come right into your heart. But he, the Lord is rich unto all that call upon his name. But it all depends on what you call his name. Always remember this, folks. Jesus has paid the price for everything. And Jesus, Jesus knows how to do everything. So you need to call upon him. Call upon his name. Call upon his name. What does his name mean to you? Well, his name is a healer. Jesus is a healer. He's everything. Blessed be the name of the Lord forevermore. Isn't the Lord wonderful? All right, now I want you to take some notes and you're going to find out this morning, you know, what kind of faith it works. <clears throat> I started to tell you. So I was in Gatlinburg just a few years ago, about uh, maybe four or five years ago now. And, and so one night, one night I gave an invitation and different people came forth, you know, and a man came forth and, and he said... Uh, Brother Norval, he said, my wife and me are from Buffalo, New York. And said, uh, she was raised in a denominational church. And we let her listen to some of your tapes. And she didn't like you to begin with because you were too strong and too forward. And said, uh, uh, then after she listened to your tapes for a while, then she says, but the thing of it is about him, I believe he's telling the truth, and I believe he knows what he's talking about. I believe he's telling the truth. 
He said, now we've took her to all kind of doctors and all kind of ministries and they prayed for her and no help. And he said, now that she's come down to life, she's uh, 32 years old and she's a school teacher in Buffalo, New York school system. She's a school teacher and she, she has cancer in all four corners of her liver. And said the doctor said there is no hope for her to live. And he said she you can see now here here she is she's just skin and bones. And said she the doctor says she has to die and she'll be dead in a few months. So we were talking about it at the house and I says well I tell you what let's do and let's go now you've heard brother Norval's tapes and you read some of his books and so forth. Now he says he can. So let's make a trip to Gatlinburg at his camp meeting and stay for a week, stay all week long. Then if he received no help, then that'll be it because we've prayed and prayed and tried everybody that we know and you've received no help. And the doctor says you have to die. There's not even one chance in, not even one chance in 10 million for you to live. There is no such thing as a chance for you to live because you have cancer in all four corners of your liver and you're not going to live, the doctor says. And you're going to be dead before long. And we've been married some 10, 12 years. And so he got up on the stage. I said, y'all come up here. So they came up here and I talked to him and kind of interviewed him in front of the congregation and told him. And I said, now I want you to listen real close. If you'll listen, you can learn exactly anything, anything that I can get God to do, you can get God to do it. I told you verse 12 while ago. See? Now listen closely. Verse 12 again. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. But you have to call upon him. And you have to have your words correct. So I said to the school teacher, I says, now you understand, as far as medical science is concerned, uh, you are going to die. Yeah, I understand that part. I said, but now there's one thing you have to understand this. But now you would not die if you had a new liver, right? She said, that's right. I would not die. I had a new liver. She, she said, now, Brother Norval, I've never had a baby for 12 years of marriage. The doctor says, I can't ever have children, and, uh, and I'd like to have a baby. I said, well, I don't see any reason why you can't have one. I said, you, you're a school teacher. I said, can you follow instructions? You being a school teacher, you should be able to follow instructions. She says, I, I'll follow instructions. I will do anything you tell me to do because I used to didn't like to hear you because I was raised in an old cold church and you were just too strong for us denominational people. But I kept listening to you and I told my husband, I believe he's telling the truth. And I believe he knows what he's talking about. And I believe he's telling the truth. And she said, I will do anything you tell me to do so I can live. I said, well, medical science says you can't live, but I said, the and I said, they're probably telling you, the, telling you the truth because if you have cancer in the four corners of your liver, you're not going to live from the natural standpoint. 
But I said, the one thing they don't know, I said, Jesus makes new livers. And he's the only one that makes new livers. Now you need a new liver. If you could have a new liver, you'd live, right? I said, all right, I'm gonna teach you exactly how to get a brand new liver. I said, you can have a new liver. Jesus makes them all the time. It's no problem for him to give you a new liver. You just have to show him that you want one. And that you trust him because he's faithful unto everybody that calls upon his name. I said, in your case, though, you have to call upon his name as healer. He just call upon Jesus' name in general. General faith don't work for anybody. God likes specific faith, not general faith. Say, well, bless the Lord, I believe God do anything. That's a first class sign you don't believe nothing. God won't ever accept that. Well, I believe God do anything. Well, that's a, a first class sign. You don't believe anything. You're trying to get by with general faith. And God will not honor general faith. You understand that? If you don't know that, you better learn it. God will not honor general faith. God only honors specific faith. If you're looking for a part in your body, if you're looking for a healing, looking that, then you have to call Jesus your healer. You have to call him a healer, but you have to call him your healer. Not just a healer in general. I believe Jesus can heal. That's not going to get you anything. I believe that Jesus is a healer. That's not going to get you anything, I told you. You have to call him your healer. You have to call him that. Because as I am, the God, the God is faithful unto all that call upon him. And there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. And he is faithful unto all that call upon him. Oh, well, I'll call upon him for help. <laughs> That's general faith again. Tell him what you want. Well, I need a new liver. Well, tell him. I said, Jesus is a liver maker. And he only is the only liver maker in the universe. He's the only one that's got enough brains to make a liver. Well, now, Brother Noel, I don't think my pastor knows anything about that. Well, why don't you go to church someplace else? Because you, can't, you can die there. You can't learn anything from somebody that don't know anything. You understand that? God works with knowledge. You have to increase your knowledge. You can increase your knowledge by going to school. I've had a Bible college for 20 years. We get people to increase your knowledge. You can go to Ram and increase your knowledge in God. If you don't know anything about a healer, then you have to go somewhere and get people to teach you about healing. So I told her, I said, I'm going to teach you how to get a new liver. I said, now, you understand me? 
So just come, I want you to listen to me, and just come and just walk with me, and I'll show you exactly how to do it. So I usually just take them by the hand, and I say, now, the only way you teach people, get them to say. I say, everything I say, you say. I tell a, a patient that's dying, that's got lupus, or got cancer, everything I say, you say. <clears throat> so I just take them by the hand and begin to march with them like this. And they'll say, well, thank you, Jesus, that my name is written in heaven. They'll say, that, thank you, Lord, that I am born again. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Now, Jesus, I believe that you are a healer because the scripture says that you are a healer. I believe you're a miracle worker because the Bible says that you're a miracle worker. The Bible says that healing power is a gift of the church. I don't have to pay for it. It's a gift. Miracles is a gift of the church. I don't have to pay for it. So now that I confess, Jesus, I want to thank you for saving me and writing my name in heaven. But I want to confess, because I believe it, I want to confess, Jesus, that you are my healer. I want to confess, Jesus, that you are my miracle worker. Now the doctor says, Lord, I have to die because I've got a bad liver with cancer in four corners of my liver and I have to die. But I said, you said that all things are possible to him that believeth. And you said, the word of faith is in my mouth. In my mouth. And you are rich to all that call upon you. So Jesus, I'm calling upon you for a new liver. Jesus, you are the world's best liver maker. You have to say it. If you want to make one for you, you have to say it. Not just believe him in general for a healing. Many times that'll get you nothing. Believing in him. Well, I believe the Lord. You believe the Lord. Yeah, I believe the Lord. That's not believing the Lord. Because you say you believe the Lord. What you call believing the Lord or what you call believing, most of the time, God does not call believing. He won't even recognize that. You can go around the rest of your life and say, well, I'm believing the Lord. I'm just trusting the Lord. I always ask people if they're dying. I say, well, now tell me, how are you believing the Lord? And they look at you kind of funny, you know, and bat their eyes two or three times. Well, no, what do you mean, how am I believing the Lord? Nobody ever asked me that before. What, what, what do you mean, how am I believing the Lord? I don't know how I'm believing the Lord. I'm just believing the Lord. And I tell them, there is no such thing as that. That's a statement God won't even hear. There's nothing to that statement. I'm just believing the Lord. How are you believing the Lord? Which we say, I said, you believe the Lord, but look up a scripture that covers your case and reminding God of what he said in the Bible. Then you call Jesus, if it's a healing, you call Jesus your healer. If it's a miracle worker, you have to call Jesus your miracle worker. You are my miracle worker. And I said, Jesus' name has all power. And I just told the girl, I said, I believe, and just repeat after me, honey. She said, okay. I said, well, Jesus, your name has all power on earth as it has in heaven. Yes, sir. So I used Jesus' name and I curse all the roots of the cancer that's in my four corners of my liver. I, I curse it in Jesus' name and I commanded to die. I'm not asking you anything, cancer. I'm talking to you. 
I'm talking to you and I'm telling you, cancer, you can't live in my liver. You can't live in my liver. I curse the roots of you and I command the roots to the cancer to die. Die, I said. You can't live in my liver. Cancer, I'm talking to you and I command you to obey me, cancer. Hey, cancer, hear me. In Jesus' name, I command you, obey me. Cancer, come out of me. In Jesus' name. Cancer, I take authority over you and I command you, go from me. I command all symptoms of cancer in my liver, in Jesus' name, to fade away and disappear. Thank you, Lord, for a new liver. Thank you, Jesus, you are a miracle worker. And I want to thank you, Lord, for my new liver. No cancer can stay in my liver because I say it can't. The Bible says I can have whatever I say. And I say that no cancer will live in my liver. No cancer can live in my liver. Because in Jesus' name, I take authority over you and I command you, turn my liver loose and come out of it. In Jesus' name. You'll usually never be healed of cancer or lupus unless you learn to treat cancer exactly like you treat a rattlesnake. If you came in your house and a rattlesnake was in your house and it crawled up and stuck its head up like this and it'll watch you just like this. If you get close to it, I'll throw something at it and go whoosh. And if it bites you, if you don't get help, you usually die. But you have to treat cancer or lupus or some disease that's killing you. You have to treat it on the same level as you would a rattlesnake. If you don't, if you don't treat it like you treat a rattlesnake, it won't leave. You have to make cancer leave you. You have to make lupus leave you. You have to talk to it. And I said, now thank you, Jesus, for my new, new, new liver. I just kept walking with her. Thank you, Lord, my new liver. Cancer, I'm not afraid of you. In Jesus' name, I command you, leave my liver. Lord, I'm going to thank you for giving me a new liver. You are my miracle worker. Jesus, you are my miracle worker. Jesus, you're the best surgeon the world's ever known. Jesus, you're the world's only liver maker. And you're making one for me because I say you are. Jesus, Thank you for making me a new liver. Thank you, Lord, for my new liver. Thank you for my new liver. Thank you for my new liver. And I taught her and on. I said, no. And then I taught her for quite a while. And I got through. I said, now let me ask you a question. I said, now you're a school teacher. Do you know what you just said? She says, yeah. I said, well, get this tape and memorize it. And I said, will you do it? She says, I'm a school teacher, Brother Noble, and I follow instructions real close. And she says, and I will do it. Now then, before we leave the stage, I want you to ask the Lord to give me a baby. So I prayed and asked the Lord to give her a baby. She could never have, doctor said, I can never have no children. I said, well, they're probably telling you the truth as far as the natural standpoint is concerned, but you have to understand that Jesus is a miracle worker and he can fix you a body where you can have a baby. And she says, all right. I said, now let me ask you a question before you leave the stage. Do you have it? Do you have it? I said, you got to do it every day. Every day, every day, every day. The more you do it, the better God likes it. <clears throat> now, did you get that statement? See, the more I thank God for what I need, the better God likes it. Well, the more that you call Jesus your miracle worker or your healer 
And the more you thank him for making you a new liver, whatever's wrong with you, the more you thank him. If you thank him, let's take for an example, if you thank him five times a day for giving you a new liver to save your life, well, I mean, he, he, if you thank him for that, he will hear you. But if you want to pay the, pay the price and sacrifice your time and thank him for three hours a day, he would like it better. You'll please him more. All depends on how much you want to please him. I told her, I said, you make sure now that you, you do this every day. Every day, every day. You worship the Lord first. Then after you worship the Lord for a few minutes first, you start calling him your miracle worker. Then you start speaking your liver into existence in Jesus' name. And you start thanking the Lord for giving you a new liver. And you do it every day. You do it every day. Because the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you is a performer. But he only performs what he hears. He only performs what he hears. Now look up here, church. Look up here. I want you to get this. The Holy Spirit of God does all the work on the earth today. All right, now he lives, if you're born again, he lives in your belly. Now he's a person that's sent from heaven, but he lives inside of you. But now he only performs, listen closely, he only performs what he hears. Now let me have your attention. If you don't, You'll miss it just as sure as everything. He, the Holy Spirit, only performs what he hears. But if he don't hear anything from you today, no thanksgiving, no appreciation, no nothing today, as far as your liver is concerned, if he don't hear anything, he don't do anything. If you take off a day, he takes off a day. If you take off a week, he takes off a week. He don't do anything. He's just there. The Holy Spirit is a person that actually, literally, lives in your belly. And he's just there. Now, he will do anything for anybody that calls upon the name of Jesus. He, the Holy Spirit, will do anything for anybody, anytime, anywhere, any country. He is rich, he's rich, he is rich. He's from heaven, he has the knowledge of heaven, he has the know-how to do everything. He is rich unto all of those that call upon him. But if you don't call upon him, he won't do a thing for you. You might as well know that. He won't do a thing for you. And that's the way people die. You know, they, they die of sickness, but they don't call upon him. They stay at the hospital, take a person dying. And you say to him, let me ask you a question, sir. Uh, Brother Norwell, the doctor says, I've only got about another month to live. I said, well, let me ask you a question, sir. I want to help you. I'm going to pray for you and I'm going to curse this thing in Jesus' name. But let me ask you a question. How many times have you called Jesus your healer today? He says, I don't have any. How many times did you call Jesus your healer yesterday? How many times did you call Jesus your miracle worker last week? He says, I didn't. I didn't none. I didn't call him my none. 
So you're so close to victory, yet you have to die because of the lack of knowledge and the lack of, of, of obedience. You're going to sacrifice your life because of disobedience. Because you're not calling him anything. You're not giving the Holy Spirit that lives in you nothing to work with. He has nothing to work with. Nothing. He can't help you. You might as well forget it. He can't help you. And he's not going to help you either. The only way the Holy Spirit's going to ever help you. You understand me? The only way the Holy Spirit's going to ever help you is if you will say words about Jesus that's true. Like, Jesus is my healer. Jesus is bigger than all cancers. Cancer, you're sent from hell. You can't live in me. My body belongs to God and I belong to Jesus. Jesus lives in me. Jesus is my healer. He is my healer. And he's healing me now. The healing power of God is a gift to the church. And I belong to the church. And the healing power of God is flowing through my body now. Right now. And he's driving out all symptoms of cancer. He's driving out all symptoms of disease. And I want to thank you, Lord, because my body is free. I'm free from cancer. Glory to God. Cancer, you can't live in me and you're not going to kill me. You have no right to kill me because I curse you in Jesus' name. You've been, you have been cursed in Jesus' name and you have to die. Die, I said. And you have to speak to diseases. You have to speak with all kinds of devils with authority. If you don't, they don't listen to you. You have to make diseases leave you. You have to make cancer leave you. You don't ask diseases nothing. You tell them exactly what to do. You have to make them leave you. You have to make them. You have to make them leave. They're not going to. The Holy Spirit is not going to heal you automatically just because you're a Christian and because you go to a full gospel church and because you have a good pastor. But he will do anything for anybody at any time, anywhere, if you'll call up on his name. I said, so now listen, school teacher, I want, I want you to go back home. Now, and this is one thing for me to get you on the stage here in Gatlinburg and take you all through that. I said, but you got it? Do you see it, how it works? She said, I see it. I said, do you believe that the Lord will make your liver new? And she said, oh yeah, I see it. I see it, I know he will. I said, well, he will if you'll keep your mouth thanking him for it and keep your mouth confessing in that direction. I said, he will. And I said, you go back. And I said, now every day, don't take off a day. Every day, every day. So she went back and I said, make a quality decision. I said, but the, the more, I, let me put this to you, honey. The more you do it, the better he likes it. I said, I'll tell you what I believe. The more you do it, the more you thank him, the quicker you'll get it. I said, but uh, you know, some people get too quick and some don't. But I said, the, the more you thank God for it, the, the better he likes it. So she goes back home and she makes a quality decision. She tells her husband, she says, okay. She says, let's make a decision. Let's take this thing out. She said, I can see it. I can see it. I can see it. So she says, what I'm going to do, I'm, I, I haven't been doing that. I just, I've been dying by degrees. I haven't been doing anything that Brother Norval told me to do. I haven't been doing that. I've been trying to believe God in general through Pentecostal preachers' prayers or some prayer that I prayed or that type of thing. 
But he says, she said, I can see it. I can see it. And she says, and uh, I want God to be rich to me. And I'm going to call upon his name. And I'm going to call his name my healer. And I'm going to call Jesus' name my miracle worker. And I'm going to call Jesus my healer. And she said, now, honey, now listen to me real close and you'll find out why cases where there is no might nots. With the Holy Ghost in the Bible, there's no might nots. In the Benny Hinn service or Brother Hagin service or my service or King Jr. service or anybody else's service, you'll have some receive and some won't. Some receive and some won't. You might get a heal, but you might not. But you might. But you might not. But you might, though. So you better go to all of them that you can because you might get healed. But you might not. Well, in this case, there are no might nots if you obey God. Now, you can hear it, but not obey it. So she said, I'm going to. She says, every night I'm, at nighttime, we've got, we've got more time at nighttime. She says, at nighttime, I'm going to walk around our dining, dining room table. I'm going to walk around it two hours every night. And I'm going to thank the Lord for a new liver. And I'm going to praise him for a new liver. And I'm going to confess that Jesus is the world's best liver maker. And I'm going to confess that he is making a new liver for me right now. And I'm going to praise him for my new liver. Two hours every night. Her husband says, okay, all right, honey. Now that's easier said than done. She told me later, she says, some nights I want to take off. But her husband was so much in love with her. I mean, he loved that girl, brother. This skinny, this skinny girl, just, just bones, a little bit of meat. He is nuts about that girl. He said, oh, I love her so much I can't understand it. And he said, I see it. And I asked him, I said, now, will you make her? I said, now, most people will get tired of doing this after a while. I said, will you see that she does it? He said, I, I, I see it, Brother Noble. And he's on the stage. I said, he said, I see it. I'll, I'll make sure she does it. She told me later, she, says, she said, you know, uh, Sundays I want to take off. And I just sat on the chair and said, I'm not going to do it tonight because I'm too tired. He would come over and pick me up out of the chair and he says, you are going to do it because, he said, Brother Norville said, if you don't do it, the Holy Spirit don't do anything either. He, he rests. Every time you rest, he rests. I said, well, he does. Because he only, he only performs what he hears. You got to give God some words to work with. He works with words. And the more your knowledge is increased in God's words, then the more you will get, especially if you offer thanksgiving. That's the reason God told you in the Bible. Of course, we all forgot it. But we, we all, none of us, us paid attention to that. But, but I, mean, I don't think anybody on earth pays attention to it. I, I never, I've never met a person that did that. God says, forget not to thank me for everything. God gives you and me an order. Forget not to thank me for everything. Well, the only reason, folks, I mean, you might as well be real. The only reason, the only reason, there's not two reasons. The only reason, the only reason that you even have a disease now of any kind is because your body is living 
with lazy faith. The only reason any human being is ever sick is because your body is living with lazy faith and your faith has no voice of thanksgiving. God told you plainly, forget not to thank me for everything. You wouldn't be sick now if you'd have started three or four or five, six years ago. Thanking God for good health every day, every day, every day. Just walk around, thank you Lord for good health. Thank you Lord for strength. I confess I am strong and not weak. I confess I am strong and not weak. I confess I am healthy and not sick. I confess I am healthy and not sick. I say I'm healthy and I'm not sick in Jesus' name. I want to thank you, Lord, for good health. Thank you, Lord, for good health. Hey, Satan, you hear me? Thank you, Lord, for good health. Good health. Health. Hey, Satan, health. 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 The devil don't want to hear you. He don't want you to mention the word health because he's not healthy. But Jesus is healthy. And the Holy Spirit, and you might as well know this church, you can't pull no Pentecostal, Baptist, Methodist, church con games on the Holy Ghost. You want to accept that. If you will say what you mean every day, that's exactly what you'll get. If you'll thank God every day for something, <clears throat> then you'll get that. Because he knows exactly where you're at. He knows how many times you thank God. So she came back <clears throat> to the Gatlinburg Convention. I think it was two years. I think they came back in two years. And uh, she came back and <clears throat> she said, well, I've got it normal. I said, got what? I said, the doctor says I have a new liver and I have a baby. <clears throat> that little old kid had never seen me. That little kid had never seen me. That little girl, she'd never seen me. And they're standing on the stage, carrying this little kid, this little girl in her arms. She'd never seen me in her life. And so she's over there, and she, that little kid looks at me and goes, and I go, hmm. So she, she came to me, and I'm holding her like this, and I'm holding her for a while, and her daddy says, he comes over and sticks his arms out and he says, he says, come on, honey. She goes, she goes, mm. Mm. And the mother says, now, honey, you got to come on. You leave Brother Norville alone. He goes, come on. You know, I'm holding her, you know. And she never saw me before in her life. And she says, and she, and she says come on, honey. She, her mother. And, and the little girl says, mm. Mm.
And they said, well, they've got a congregation that just laugh. You know, they try to take their child. That little child wouldn't go to them. Their parents. She would have stayed with me. I didn't even know her. I had never seen her before in my life. <clears throat> I said, okay, honey. I said, she said, I got a new liver, Brother Novo. The doctor said I have a new liver. All cancer disappeared. I said, all right. <clears throat> I said, you should take this microphone. Tell them how you got it. She said, okay, she said, I came here and I was dying with cancer in four corners of my liver. I was dying and no hope to live. Not even one chance, not even one chance in 10 million, there was no chance to live because I had cancer in all four corners of my liver. But then all of a sudden you on the platform and he taught me and taught me and taught me exactly what to say and how to say it. And she says, and I must call Jesus my healer and what to say and how to say it. And she says, she, and she told me, she says, well, I got it. The school teacher said, I got it, Norville, that day when I was here, I got it. But my husband, we went, went back to Buffalo. That's another world to get home, folks. This won't work for you unless you pay the price. I'm not going to try to con you and do this and do that. It won't work for you unless you pay the price. She said, I made a decision. She said, I told my husband I'm going to walk around the dining room table two hours a night. So she says, I started. That lasted for a few nights. I'd walk around the table, like this right here, dining room table. She said, I'd walk around the table two hours. I'd time myself two hours. I want to give the Lord some quality of time. I'd say, Jesus, I worship you and I praise your wonderful name. Jesus, I do praise your wonderful name and I worship you. And I believe, Lord, that you are my healer. Jesus, I call you my healer. Jesus, I call you my liver maker. I believe that your healing power is making me a new liver now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. No cancer will kill me in Jesus' name. Jesus, you are my healer. Your healing power is a free gift to me, and your healing power is flowing in my body now, driving out all symptoms of cancer in Jesus' name. Jesus, you are my healer. I want to thank you, Lord, for healing me. Jesus, I want to thank you for giving me a new liver that I can live. Jesus, I want to thank you for giving me a new liver. And she said, I would do that two hours a night. After I did it for several weeks, you know, she says, after a while, she said, I, uh, I, I said, well, I'm going to count them. I walk about the same speed all the time. She said, in two hours, I could walk around my dining room table 740 times. So she said, I averaged about 740-some trips a night, every night, every night. Some nights, I'd get tired, I didn't want to sleep. I'd think, well, I can't, I can't walk around in two hours. My husband would come over and pick me up and say, now, you know what Brother Norville said? It don't work unless you do it. The Holy Spirit takes off if you take off. And you're not going to die, honey. I'm not going to let you. You are going to do it. In Jesus' name, you are. She said, when I start doing it, I get stronger. I start doing it, I get stronger. I may be weak at the beginning, but I get stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger. And I, I, I confess myself also, like you said, healthy. And she said, I did that. Now I'm going to lose you folks. You understand me? Most people will not pay the price. I'm going to basically lose you. She said, I did that for 12 months. Two hours a night, I walked around my dining room table 
700 and some trips a night, thanking the Lord for a new liver, calling Jesus my healer, not getting discouraged. And she said, I did it for 12 months. But she says, now, Brother Noel, in the eighth month, in the eighth month, I began to detect that something was happening in my body. I knew that something was happening in my body. She said, I believe I got a new liver in, by, by the eighth month. But she said, I just kept on doing it for 12 months. She said, I went back to the doctor and he examined me and he says, oh, no, it can't be. It can't be. He said, you have a brand new liver. You see what I mean? But she paid the price. You understand me? She paid the price. You have to pay the price. Those that diligently seek me, they shall find me. If you'll pay the price and you diligently seek God, you diligently seek the Lord Jesus Christ as your healer, he'll become your healer. But if you nonchalant confess three or four times a day, this nonchalant, you might as well order the flowers. Get your singer, get your quartet, call the pastor you want to preach your funeral. You're as sure dead as everything. God will not honor nonchalant faith. There's two other kind of people that God don't do anything for either. That's lazy people and stingy people. God don't bless lazy people and he don't bless stingy people either. He'd like to bless you with everything, everything. But you have to get out of that realm. You have to get out of that realm, folks. You can't do it. Blessed be the name of the Lord God forevermore. Isn't the Lord wonderful? Because he plainly said, Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith, which he saith shall come to pass. Jesus said, he can have whatsoever he saith. And you can, that's his word. Your mouth, folks, is your worst enemy. The devil's not your worst enemy. You are your own worst enemy because of the lack of knowledge and keeping your mouth closed. Because faith, we can speak on faith for a year here every morning, but faith has a voice. Faith has a voice. If your faith don't have a voice of victory, a voice of creation, a voice of believing, if your faith don't have that, it'll never work properly for you. You may get a minor, minor ailment healed every once in a while, or that type of thing, but there'll be no new livers. You can forget that. There'll be no new hearts. You can forget that. But you can get the Lord to make you a new liver. You can get the Lord to make you a brand new heart. He will make you one just as sure as I'm a man. But you have to learn, folks, exactly what to do and how to do it and the tone of voice to use. You cannot do it. God will not honor your faith. You can thank the Lord and, and confess a new liver all you want to. And if you don't do it with, if you don't do it with power, you don't do it with sincerity, if you do it in a nonchalant, well, thank you, Lord, for giving me a new liver. Thank you, Lord, for a new liver. Thank you, Lord, for a new liver. What was that now that she said on this Search for Tomorrow program? What'd she say? Thank you, Lord, for a new liver. Well, you're not going to get a new liver. You can forget it. You know, you're not nonchalant. 
She walked around the table. Then she came back a year or two later and had another child. Now she's got a little boy. Now that that little old girl, the first one she had, is wearing hats. Funny hats. She brings me a t-shirt that's got dozens and dozens and hundreds of little, little, little red buffaloes all over it. They're from Buffalo, New York. Now then, they come up on the stage and she says, you can't believe these children, Brother Noble. They, the boys, it's like the girl. She says, all during the year, this little boy, he don't even know them. All during the year, they ask me, he says, when are we going to go see Brother Norville? When are we going to see Brother Norville? When are we going to see Brother Norville? She said, we drove from Buffalo, New York to Gatlinburg, Tennessee, and the Great Smokers there. She says, all the way down here, she says, when are we going to see Brother Norville? How much further is it? When are we going to see Brother Norville? How much further is it? And so she came over, and I'm sitting in the chair now. I'm sitting in the chair. She came over and gets on my knee, and I'm holding her. And that little boy, he goes, mm, in his father's arms. He says, mm, let me down. Mm. So he gets down, he comes over, tries to climb up on this leg. I had to get him on this leg. And that little boy is sitting here, and her daughter is sitting here. And they just sit there and look at me. The kids just sit there and look at me. And I say, you want to give me a kiss? They go, uh-huh. I do like this. And they give me a kiss. I say, you want to give me another one? Uh-huh. I do like this. They give me another one. And she said, you can't believe, Brother Novel, how much these kids love you. But I only see them like once a year, once every two years. Then the parents come over, you know, and this is front, this is front of the camp meeting. The parents come over and try to take them. And both of them goes, The father tried to get him, the mother tried to get him, they go, ah! And the audience are just laugh, boy, they just laugh, and laugh. It was so funny. Isn't that amazing now? You pray like that, and the little kids don't even know me. But I had to teach the mother what to do to get pregnant. Thank you. This is walk around the table, I was, well, thank God for that new baby in Jesus' name. So she got it. You know, when you got it, you got it. Now let me ask you a question this morning. From what I've taught you this morning, do you, uh, do you know how to do it? Yes. Glory to God. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Blessed be his holy name. 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 Blessed be the name of the Lord. All right. Now look at what I got in my notes. If I didn't get through teaching, if I got through that quick teaching that one, I don't have time now. I have to close. But I had another case I was going to teach you this morning. That was, I didn't even get to pray for her and instruct her. She was dying of lupus. She came to Cleveland, Tennessee at my Bible college auditorium. We was having a special seminar on healing. And she bought this right here at the table. She never did come up for prayer. On the way home, she listened to this. She started doing it. The same thing happened to her. She confessed it. Lupus, and she was dying in the last stages of lupus. She confessed it 12 months every day. And came back. Lupus had disappeared from her. And Gadsden, now, now listen to this, folks. In Gadsden, Alabama, I was there several years ago. And I didn't know he had it. But I told him what, to, you know, what I told you. And 
so forth. But that night I spoke on James 5, 14. I said, take this home with you. I want you to thank God. Go to sleep tonight thanking God what you want. Thanking God for you. Now this fellow meets me the next day. And he says, Novo, Novo. Next night at the meeting, he says, Novo, Novo, amen. He says, I confess last night. I thank God last night for what to, for, 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 my, for my miracle. And, I, and I've been prayed for. I'm 38 years old. I was born with deformed feet. I said, he said, you know, he said, I, you know, you know, I just, when you walk with club feet, he said, my feet was deformed. My feet was real ugly and deformed. He says, I never did get married because I thought, no, no pretty girl won't look, look at my ugly feet. And I was so ashamed of him. But he said, you know, that last night when you spoke, he said, uh, when, he, when you told us about it, he says, I, I finally got, I saw it, I saw it in my belly, like a, like a light bulb in my belly. And I saw that my healing was in the scriptures if I'd put that scripture. He said, and I went home and I did exactly what you told me to do. I listened to you real close. I went home and I turned out my light and I began to thank the Lord for my miracle. And I thank the Lord for my miracle. I thank the Lord for my healing. Till I went to sleep. Like you said, you say, do it till you go to sleep now. I did till I went to sleep. And I woke up this morning. I'm 38 years old. And I was born with deformed feet. I'm club-footed all my life. Like this. I woke up this morning. And, and, I, and I feel over on the floor. And, and I pushed down to go to the bathroom. Uh, and I looked down. He said, and I had two new feet. Two new feet. Now, you won't run that in Baptist Sunday school, I can tell you that. Two new feet. You say, well, I never heard, Brother Norville, of somebody of God giving a club-footed person two new feet. Well, you've heard of it now. You ever heard of a person going to sleep? You ever heard of a person going to sleep before the club feet? Thanking the Lord until you go to sleep for two new feet for your miracle? Well, he did and woke up with them. In one night, he got him in one night. The school teacher, 12 months. So your faith may have to work from one night to 12 months. I don't know, or longer. But you just make up your mind that you're going to get what's rightfully yours. And the Lord said, there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. Because the Bible said, he, the Lord God, is rich to all that call upon his name is rich to all that call upon him. Glory to God forevermore. Turn your face toward heaven real quick and call upon Jesus right now for victory in your case. Call on him. Call on him. Thank him for what you want. Thank him. Call on him. God says, I am rich to all that call upon my name. Call on him for a new liver. Call on him for a new heart. Call on him for a new lung. Call on him. And he will hear you. Call on him. I can't help you. I don't have that kind of power. Call on God. He'll help you. He has all power on earth as he has in heaven. So I went to Kentucky one time to hold a meeting for a fellow that was a Southern Baptist doctor. But he's the first man that I've ever helped one that was a double doctor. He had two doctor degrees. He said, I said, 
are you a double doctor? And he said, yeah, I'm a double doctor, Brother Norville. And I says, well, praise the Lord. And he had more people, now listen closely, he had more people in his church than they had in the town. They come from everywhere. There's more people that went to his church than was the population of that city. That same thing is going to happen. That same thing is going to happen to that young boy down there in Rockwall, Texas. What's that boy's name? Larry Lee. Larry Lee. That same thing will happen to him. But I got news for you. It's not going to happen to Ron. Forget it. <laughs> You're not going to have more members in your church than they got people in St. Louis. But St. Louis is a far cry from Rockwall, Texas. And... <laughs> But Larry Lee is going to wind up with more people in his church than Rockwall, Texas has in the city limits. And this fellow did. And I went to his church to hold a seminar. And I'd been teaching, you know, if you were here last night, you know how I taught, if you ever listened to my tapes, you know how, basically how I teach. Just basically trying to get you to believe God. Trying to get you to stand on God's word and not take no for an answer. Because God has your answer. I don't, have, I don't know everything, but God does. And so I was teaching along that line for a couple of nights. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, the doctor came to me and says, going to call me one morning and says, You know, Brother Norval, after hearing you teach for two nights, I told my wife this morning, you know, he might be able to help that boy. And, he's, and my wife says, I believe he can. I believe Brother Norval can help him. I said, what boy? Well, he says, we have a young boy that's in his early 20s from our church that's intensive care over at the hospital. Now, he was supposed to die last night. The doctor said he would die last night. But we called this morning. Now, listen closely. Now, you need to hear this real bad, not miss a word. We called this morning, the doctor's wife said, but, and we found out that he's still breathing every once in a while. I said, still breathing every once in a while? Yeah. And said, the doctor wants to know if you'd be willing to go to the hospital with him because the family is sitting up over there at the hospital. But he's a sharp young man. They got him intensive care and there's no hope for him at all. He's supposed to die last night, but he's still breathing every once in a while this morning. I said, sure, I'll go with him. Just come over here and pick me up. And I said, we'll go right now. I'll go with him. So the doctor came over and picked me up and we went in to the hospital and went to the intensive care part. And the doctor talked to, and we walked in, we saw all these people sitting there like this. And I said, boy, this is a sad looking bunch if I've ever seen it in my life. But always remember this, the Holy Ghost that lives inside of you is not limited his knowledge is not limited to your sad face you understand that
The Holy Ghost does not change. I don't care how sad you look. I don't care what. He never changes. Now listen closely. And the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you when you get born again, He never has any kind of thoughts except victory thoughts. He never thinks about death or defeat. Death and defeat is not in the vocabulary of the Holy Spirit. But Jesus said the Holy Spirit, when He comes, He'll come and teach you all the truth about God. When the Holy Spirit comes, He will teach you all the truth about heaven. But He never will manifest Himself unless He has Scripture for it. The Holy Spirit is sent to the earth to live inside of you and never leave you and never forsake you when you're born again. But He's been sent to the earth to be a performer. And he performs the word of God. He will perform what God's already said. He'll perform the whole book of Matthew for you if you need it. Or any part of it that you need. And he'll do it for you anytime. That is, that anytime that you'll believe it. Anytime that you could make up your mind and get your faith strong enough that you refuse to let doubt come in. Doubt will damn you forever. Doubt will separate you from God. Doubt will cause your body to be racked with pain and diseases for years and years and cause you suffering for many, many years. Doubt is from the devil, my brother and sister. It's not from God. God has nothing to do with doubt. The book of James says, don't even let that man that doubts me, God said in James, don't even let that man that doubt me think he's going to receive anything from God because he's not going to receive. He's not going to receive, God said. Not going to. Pray until your teeth falls out. You're not going to receive if you doubt God. You can't doubt God. And sit around, sitting around an intensive care room like this, It's what you call first-class doubt. That's the height of doubt. Sitting around somewhere waiting for one of your loved ones to die. You ought to be in the hospital chapel somewhere rejoicing in God and throwing your hands up and worshiping God and bringing Him before God and claiming health for Him and praising Almighty God and worshiping Him and telling the devil, Take your hand off of my nephew. Take your hand off of my child. Take your hand off of him. I bind you, you crazy devil. I bind you in Jesus' name. Let that young boy go free. His whole life is before him. I bind you, I said in Jesus' name. I bind you. Go to the hospital chapel. I bind you. In Jesus' name, Satan, I bind you. I bind you. I bind you. I hold his spirit here. You are not going to kill him. I bind you in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And you keep on and on and on.
You might say, Brother Norval, I never did do that. It's because you don't know how. Always remember this. You can only do things that you know how to do. Bus drivers cannot fly a jet airplane because they don't know how. The Holy Spirit, my brother and sister, Jesus said, is here to teach you all about heaven and all the Word of God that you'll ever need. The Holy Spirit is the great teacher. He is the great teacher and he's always scriptural. He's a great teacher. Everybody say great teacher. And so the doctor began to talk to the registered nurse at the door. You couldn't go in. It was locked. You couldn't go in intensive care. But he went there. He got the attention of the nurse. And she came to the door like this. He says, well, my name is Dr. So-and-so from a certain, certain church. And I have a friend here that's with me that we would like to come in and pray for a certain, certain boy that's our church. She says, well, I have orders from the doctors that nobody's allowed in to see him. Now listen closely. Nobody's allowed in to see him except his parents. And his parents can only stay by the bedside two minutes at a time. Then they have to leave. Then after a while, they can come back in and stay two more minutes. That's all. Because his breath is nearly gone completely. Laying there unconscious, but he says, my friend here that's holding a meeting at my church, we just want to come in and we'll just, let us come in and take two minutes. And we won't bother him, we'll just stand by the bed and pray. And she said, well, okay, doctor. She said, if you'll just take two minutes, you can come in for two minutes. Two minutes now and stand by the bed. I'll come and get you in two minutes. He said, okay. He said, Brother Noble, we've only got two minutes. So we walk in. Now the young boy is about 21 years old, 22 years old, and he was married to a girl. Looked like she's about 19 or 20. Now they let her sit by the bed all the time, 24 hours a day. But the parents could only come in for two minutes at a time. Let, let, let the wife sit there all day long by the bed. And I go in, I see this little girl sitting there, you know, 19 or 20 years old. Sad looking little girl. Sitting in a chair like this, looking at her husband. Sharp young man, kind of skin and bones though. Laying there in bed with all this stuff on him. And he was, I never saw a human being breathing like that. Just laying there unconscious. He's breathing like this. <clears throat> Made this kind of a noise. When he would inhale, it'd sound like this. <gasps> oh, 
you did. After a while, then he'd go, <clears throat> exhale, he'd go. Wait a long time, then. Doctor, the doctor says, Norval, let's pray. So we stood there and agreed and prayed and asked God to help him. Everybody say, thank you, Jesus, for the Holy Spirit that knows everything that lives inside of me. So we got through praying, just a real short prayer, and asked the Lord to help him and bless him and touch him. And I'm standing up towards the front of the bed, like this, like, you know, his wife's sitting here in a chair, and I'm standing kind of like this, the doctor's standing down there, you know. And so, he says, nurse said to me, it's up, your time is up. So the doctor says, all the time is up. He says, okay. We just, so we just walked like this. I got towards the foot of the bed, maybe, maybe a step or two beyond the foot of the bed, down towards the foot of the bed, a little bit beyond it, and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, the Holy Ghost inside of me jumped and said to me, just as plain, I mean, said to me, just as plain, said to my spirit, just as plain. Mark eleven twenty three would heal him. Now listen closely. Mark eleven twenty three would heal him if it was obeyed. The scripture never helps you until it's obeyed. Well, when the Spirit of God said that to me, I wheeled around like this. And I, I went back over to the little girl by the bed, and I said, hey, little darling, I said, listen, the Spirit of God just said to me that, that, the, that Mark eleven twenty three would heal him if he's obeyed. You know what's in there? No. I said, well, it's in there about confession, about confession. I said, you can have what you say. So just sit right here and, and begin to say, my husband will live and not die. My husband will live and not die. Thank you, Jesus, for healing my husband. My husband will live and not die. Thank you, Jesus, for healing my husband. Thank you, Lord, for healing my husband. My husband will live and not die. Thank you, Jesus, for healing my husband. My husband will live and not die. Thank you, Jesus, for healing my husband. Thank you, Jesus, for healing my husband. Thank you, Jesus, for healing my husband. My husband will live and not die. And I said, now listen, say it all day long. Don't ever stop saying it. Say it for hours. Say it thousands of times. And then you could rest a little while tonight as soon as you wake up, sit in this chair and say it again. And say it all day long. If your voice gets tired, 
rest a little while and start again. Now, you got it straight? She says, uh, <clears throat> I, I think so. I said, well, say it, say it. L let me hear you say it. She says, uh, thank you, Jesus, for healing my husband. My husband will live and not die. Thank you, Jesus, for healing my husband. My husband will live and not die. I said, you got it, you got it, you got it. She says, okay, thank you. She says, no, 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 you're welcome. But keep on saying it. Show me, show me you're going to keep on saying it. Keep on saying it. Keep on saying it. I had to leave. I says, keep on. Keep on saying it. Thank you, Jesus, for healing my husband. My husband will live and not die. Don't stop. Don't stop. Don't ever stop. Don't ever stop. And he'll live. The Lord told me he'll live. Don't ever stop. Keep on. Keep on. Keep on. And so I went out, I went out the door, her saying that. Well, I left town. I, one more night. I was in the meeting, I think, one, one more night. And the next day that he is still living. So I left town and went on to another meeting. And so I go back to that same church to hold another seminar about six months later. I told Ron's father today, I said, Ron asked me to come back to this church five years ago and hold him about a three or four day seminar on the operation of demon power and how, how to deal with the devil. But I never did come back and work it out and do it. You think I ought to sometime? Yeah. Glory to God forever. Well, it's for sure the devil hates you, Jesus said. He's here to kill, steal, and destroy. You need to know how to fight the devil. She says, well, Jesus will fight him for me. No, no, I'm not talking about Jesus or God. They ought to get rid of the devil. I'm talking about you. Well, I'm not fighting the devil, you know, because my battle is already won. Uh, yeah, but you have to know, but, but, but see, the devil still attacks you. The price has already been paid. The battle's already won. The price has been paid for your healing, for your freedom. But you have to know yourself who you are in Christ Jesus. And the devil will give you a test like every week so you can find out who you are in him. And if you don't know who you are in him, he'll put all kind of junk on you and your children. He'll have you fussing and fighting in your house. He'll have you doing all kind of goofy, dumb, stupid things. Everything you can dream of. So just learn to bind up the devil. Know the, learn the nature of the devil. And so I, I go back six months later to hold another seminar for that church, that same doctor. And before the, the first night, he said, before Brother Norville comes and teaches the first night, I have a testimony for him that I want him to hear. He said, young man, would you come up here? And I didn't know what it was. Remember, would you come up here and give a testimony? So some young man gets up and walks up beside of the church, walks up like this, you know. Gets behind the pulpit. He says, six months ago when Brother Norval was here, I was in the hospital intensive care dying. No hope for me. I was unconscious. The doctor says there was no hope. But he came in, him and the doctor, our pastor here, and prayed for me. 
Then my wife said he turned around and said the Spirit of God told him and taught her what to say, how to change the situation. And she said she began to say what he told her and said she said it thousands of times and thousands of times. Thank you, Lord, for healing my husband. My husband will live and not die. Always remember this. Whatever you give God thanks for, before you see it, He'll let you see it. Didn't you know that? Everything you give God thanks for out loud without shame, before you see it, He'll let you see it. I mean, something He's promised you in the Bible. I don't, don't go out here and say, I thank you, Lord, for making me the governor of Missouri. Thank you, Lord, for giving me all the property in downtown St. Louis. Well, He don't promise you to be governor in the Bible. He don't promise you the property in downtown St. Louis either. I said what He promised you in the Bible. Don't start thanking God for wild, crazy things. Anything God's promised you, He'll give it to you. Or if you desire it and you can handle it, He'll give it to you. Not only what you need, He'll give you a lot of things if you'll thank Him for it, if you can handle it. He will make you rich financially if you can stand it. But now if you can't handle money, then He won't do that. If money drives you crazy, makes you sin, makes you backslide, then He won't do that. And said, my wife began to obey that. And she said, and I began to get better slowly, day by day by day by day. Now listen closely. He said, now then, I am completely healed, and I am the youth leader of this church. Glory to God forever. And so I talked to his wife a little bit later, and I said, now listen, honey, let me ask you a question. How long did you confess that before you saw any kind of improvement at all in him? Well, she said, Nova, when you and the doctor came in there and you told me that, I was just sitting there waiting for him to take his last breath, and so was all of his relatives. But when you told me that, said, I began to obey what you said. And said, I began to thank the Lord for healing my husband. And I began to confess that my husband will live and not die. My husband will live and not die. And I said, now don't waver in your faith. Keep on saying it. You understand? Keep on saying it. Keep on confessing it. And so uh, she said, all that day and that night and the next day and up towards the next night, I guess probably in the afternoon, about two days went by, I, I began to notice that his breathing was beginning to get a little bit stronger. And I just kept on doing what you said to do. I just sat there in the chair and look at him and say, my husband will live and not die. Thank you, Jesus, for healing my husband. My husband will live and not die. Thank you, Jesus, for healing my husband. My husband will live and not die. Thank you, Jesus, for healing my husband. My husband will live and not die die 
Thank you, Jesus, for healing my husband. My husband will live and not die. Thank you, Jesus, for healing my husband. You might say, is that scriptural? If it wasn't, I wouldn't be teaching it. God didn't call me to teach a book that I wrote. He called me to teach the Bible. And the Holy Spirit said to me that, the Holy Spirit said to me, Mark eleven twenty four, 24, I mean Mark eleven twenty three would heal him if Mark eleven twenty three was obeyed. Because see, God knows the Holy Spirit will perform Mark eleven twenty three for anybody. Now, now get that. Don't let it pass over the top of your head. I said, Jesus knows that Mark eleven twenty three will heal you, will heal anybody, will bless anybody if it's obeyed. Faith is dead without action. I just closed my Bible, walked out of the auditorium, you know, and I'm walking down like this, you know, in the lobby of the hotel, come out, I just came out of the ballroom. The door of the ballroom started in like a hallway down towards the lobby, and I'm walking like this with my Bible, and all of a sudden the lady says, a voice said over here, a woman's voice said, Mr. Hayes, she said, I don't believe what you teach. I said, oh, really? I said, don't worry about it, neither does, neither does the devil. <laughs> and she says, well, the reason I don't believe it is because it's not true. Oh, I said, it's not true. I said, okay. Now you're talking like you know a lot. All right, let's you and me make a deal. I kind of took a few steps toward her. I said, let's you and me make a deal, my sister. Now, first of all, if you tell me what I taught this afternoon that wasn't in the Bible, first of all, I'll apologize to God. Then tomorrow afternoon, I'll apologize to the convention when I teach and tell them I'm sorry. Then I'll apologize to you and tell you that I'm sorry. Because God called me to teach the Bible, not some off-the-wall stuff. I says, now, okay, go ahead and tell me what I taught this afternoon that's not scripture that was not in the Bible. Tell me. She says, well, I don't know. I said, what do you mean you don't know? You just got to be making a bold statement not to know anything. She says, well, I don't know. I says, well, why would you stop a teacher at a convention and make a statement like that when you don't know anything? If you don't know what you're talking about, why would you stop me? Well, should I stop you because what you teach don't work? Oh, I said, now then you're saying, well, I don't know that you taught anything but it wasn't in the Bible, but what you teach don't work. So you're saying the Bible don't work. Well, I, no, I didn't say that. I said, oh, yeah, you did. Oh, sure you did. Always remember, when you know what you're talking about, don't let human beings humiliate you. I could come out of a meeting, I could come out of a meeting, and, 
and the three lawyers could be standing out there, and the mayor could be standing out there, and, and, and a judge could be standing out there, and, and Billy Graham could be standing out there, and they could all stop me and say, well, now, 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 Mr. Hayes, we don't believe what you talk. I said, who cares what you believe? Oh, you would? I said, yeah, I would. You said that, right? I said, who cares what you believe? I said, now, if you would tell me what I thought that wasn't in the Bible, I said, then I'll apologize to God. I said, but I can kill us what you believe. I'm interested if Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John believes it or not. I'm not interested in what you believe. I'm interested if the Bible believes it or not. If it's in the Bible. I'm not interested in teaching nothing that's not in the Bible. She said, well, Mr. Hayes, I says, uh, she says, uh, 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 this is the reason that I say this is because my husband died, I think she was at the age of 42, 41 or 42, with cancer. I said, so? Well, she said, but she said, we prayed and, and we believed. A lot of people pray and I prayed and we prayed and we believed the Lord was going to heal him right down until he took his last breath. And he believed that the Lord was going to heal him. He believed that the Lord was going to heal him until he took his last breath, right down to his last breath. He believed that the Lord was going to heal him. And, 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 and we prayed and me and a lot of my friends prayed, and we believe the Lord was going to heal him. <coughs> and he died. She says, now see, I said, I don't believe what you teach. I said, well, and all of a sudden when she said that, the Lord gave me a scripture. Now listen, listen to this, listen. And the Lord said, flag her down, she's on the wrong road, flag her down with this scripture. Now tonight, sitting there in your seat here at this meeting, if you're buffeted with some kind of an affliction or some kind of disease or you're buffeted with things you don't supposed to have and you just can't seem to get rid of them, uh, you're on the wrong road. Now, don't mean you're not a good Christian. You're on the wrong road. You need to let me flag you down and get you on another road. If I can get you on another road, a road of truth, you say, well, now I love the Lord, Noble. I said, no, 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 it's a... This has nothing to do with loving the Lord. I'm sure you love the Lord. It's evident you love the Lord or you wouldn't be here. You know, you wouldn't be in this place. You wouldn't be in this commission if you didn't love the Lord. Because we don't represent the devil here. We try to praise the name of Jesus here and worship him. But uh, she says, well, my husband died. And the Lord gave me a scripture. Flag her down with the scripture. Of course, I picked up what she said anyway. He, my husband prayed, and I prayed, and my friends prayed, and the whole family prayed, and we believed, and my husband believed that the Lord was going to heal him right until he took his life. But now get this straight. Look at me, church. Look at me. The Lord is not going to heal anybody. First of all, your believing is unscriptural. So when your believing is unscriptural, always remember this. When your believing is unscriptural, then you don't get the attention of God. He just sits there. Now let you pray until your teeth falls out. He don't do anything. The Lord is not going to heal anybody. The Lord has already healed you. He has the straps on his back to prove he's paid the price. It's up to you now to accept him as your healer. And talk like he is your healer. And talk like he is healing you now. That's your responsibility. It's not, well, I'm trying to pray in a way 
where I can get God to make up his mind to have mercy upon us to come in this room and heal this person. There's no such thing as that. Amen. Forget it. Totally unscriptural. There's no such thing as that. Jesus said, well, I'll do for one, I'll do for the other. So the Lord says, flag her down. I said, okay, lady. I says, you have your Bible right there? She said, yes. I said, turn your Bible, please, to Mark eleven twenty-three. So she turned her Bible. I could, same thing in Matthew 21, 21. Uh, Matthew 21, 22. But I said, turn your Bible to Mark eleven twenty-three. She said, okay. She turned her Bible. I said, now, follow me real close because the Lord, see, the Lord will always flag you down to the Scripture. I said, now follow me real close. I said, this is what, I said, you, you believe Jesus, don't you? She said, oh yeah, I believe Jesus. She said, I led the Lord. All right, she said, I said, Jesus says right here. For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed. And the Holy Spirit always shows you how to teach it to them so they'll get it. <clears throat> And I said, see, there you are. She says, what do you mean that I am? I, I don't see that. I said, what do you mean you don't see that? She said, I don't see, what do you mean? I don't see anything. I said, oh, okay. I said, now look, look down again. Follow me real close. Now you believe Jesus, don't you? She said, yes. I said, you love the Lord, don't you? She said, yes. I said, okay, I'll take this step further. Look at the bottom part of verse 22, the last four words. Jesus said in red letters right here, it says, Have faith in God. I said, you know what God is? She says, yeah. I said, no, you know what God is to you? Well, he loves me. I said, God is the Bible. First chapter of the book of John tells you that. I am the Word. I was the Word. I am the Word, and I'll always be the Word. Forever, and forever, and forever. And so I've sent my Word to heal you. Now you might say, no, but what'd you kick for? I didn't see nothing there. What'd you kick for? I didn't see anything. I did. I did. <laughs> Go ahead, take God. Hallelujah. God is the Bible. God is the Word. If I've sent my Word to heal you, Now I've told Jack over and over and over and over and over again, just like I've told you. Jack, I don't care how much you and Simone stand there for hours and talk and talk and talk and talk and talk and teach until your brain nearly falls out. Teach and teach and talk and talk and teach and teach and talk and talk. I said, Jack, if you and Simone, if you can't get a person to repeat what you're teaching them, they're not going to get no permanent help. Now the Lord might manifest himself that week and move upon them and help them to a certain degree, but they're not going to get no permanent help unless they repeat what you're telling them. <coughs> they have to repeat on their own. If, 
It takes days to get people to do that. They have to repeat what you're saying. They're going to have total freedom. In Jesus' name, I am free. Amen. Oppression gone from me. I will live and not die. All kind of things. You got to teach them how to talk. I said, so look down. I said, she says, have faith in God. Now, my sister, that means have faith in the Bible. She says, I said, you have faith in the Bible, what Jesus says? She said, yeah. I said, all right, listen closely. Jesus says, for verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed. I said, glory to God. Isn't that wonderful? Praise the Lord. And she says, I don't see nothing. She says, what do you mean isn't that good? Praise the Lord. She says, I, what do you, uh, I, I don't see anything. I said, what, what do you mean? I said, now you see why your husband died, don't you? She says, no, I don't. I said, you don't see why your husband died? She says, no, I don't. I said, oh. Let's go over it again. I said, now, lady, now don't, I don't want to act like a smart lady. I said, let me ask you a question. You do understand English, right? <laughs> she said, yeah, I understand English. I said, well, all right, just, just checking. And just follow me real close. I'll make it slow this time. Jesus said, now you believe Jesus too, right? Oh, yeah, I believe Jesus, all right. He said, for verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed. I said, now then, that's why your husband died. I said, see? She says, no, I don't see anything, Mr. Hayes. I don't see nothing. Absolutely nothing. I don't see nothing. What do you mean that I see? <sighs> Use his name, son. Use his name. That's all right. Okay. Okay, lady. All right. What's your husband, what, was your, what was your husband's name, honey? I said, I want to help you if I can. I said, anybody that's got little enough sense as you have to stop somebody and scream at them and, all, and I don't believe what you say. I said, I, I've, got, I've got little enough sense to take up a lot of time with you and help you. So what is your husband's name? So she told me her husband's name. Let's say it's John Smith. I said, all right. Now, do you believe the Bible is written for everybody? She said, yeah. I said, okay. All right, and I'm going to leave out some words in the scripture, and I'm going to put your husband's name in there. She says, oh. I said, all right, now follow me. Jesus is talking. I said, do you believe the Bible was written for you? Do you believe the Bible would work for your husband if he believed it? She said, oh, yeah, I believe the Bible would work for anybody. I said, all right. Jesus said, for verily I say unto John Smith, that John Smith shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed. She said, I said, You don't get it? She says, Get what? <laughs> well, by that time I wanted to do like this on top of her head. <laughs> then I saw it. And I saw it. I said, okay, okay, I got it. I got it from the Lord. I got it. I got it. I got it. Okay. All right, now then follow me, lady. Follow me. 
Look down, she says. For verily I say unto John Smith, that John Smith shall say unto this cancer, Be thou removed. When I said that, it got her attention. She backed up and she went. <laughs> and while she's staring at it, I says, Now, Mrs. Smith, let me ask you one question. Just one question. Did, now listen closely. Now listen to me, this will rescue you. Did you ever hear John Smith, your husband, talking to the cancer? And saying, be thou removed. And she said, Oh, sure. And then she became normal. She wasn't normal until that time. She was a hyper woman. She was mad at me. But at that moment, she became normal. And with a soft voice, she said, No, Mr. Hayes. I never saw, I never heard my husband talking to a cancer. I said, do you see it? She said, the tears in her eyes, she said, for quite some time at the truth which God's word is always the truth so help me God she looked at me and she says Mr. Hayes God she said do you mean to tell me that that we were only one verse of scripture away from his healing I said, now Sister Smith, what does it say? I'm not the judge of your husband, I'm not the judge of nothing. God didn't make me a judge. God is the judge. God don't need anybody to judge him. God's word don't need to be judged. It holds its own, brother. God's word holds its own of truth and victory in the worst of circumstances on this earth. God's word will speak loud and strong with beauty, with light, with victory under any circumstance. 
if you have an unwavering faith and you just simply obey the Lord Jesus Christ and what he said to you. She says, oh no, oh no, oh no. She said, Mr. Hayes, don't tell me that we were on the one verse of scripture. She says, my precious husband could be living right now. Right now. She said, I'm still a young woman. I said, yeah, I know you are. My husband could be so living right now because of one verse of scripture. I said, well, I'm still not the judge, but let me ask you a question. Do you see it? Do you see he could? She said, Scripture can save your home, you know. One verse of Scripture can save your family. One verse of Scripture can save your life. The Bible, my brother and sister, is a lifesaver. Jesus is a life giver. After she got through crying, she's probably one of the sweetest ladies I've ever met in my life. She looked at me. said, Mr. Hayes, God, oh God, how can you ever forgive me? She says, Brother Hayes, please forgive me. Please forgive me. I have no business judging you. trying to judge what you were teaching for what happened to my husband. So would you please forgive me? I said, oh yeah, I'll forgive you. Sure. I said, don't, don't, don't worry about it. Don't hold anything against you. I said, do you see it? Should I see the truth? Mm-hmm. Your husband did not do that. What Jesus said for you to do, your husband did not do it. Is that right? She said, that's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. She said, Mr. Hayes, if, if, if he hadn't done that, and obey Jesus and obey this right here. He would still be living, wouldn't he? I said, uh huh. Yeah, he would be. 
would he be? Because the cancer would disappear. 